The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. We're back. Woo! Back, refreshed, ready to go. <laughs> it might not seem like it's been that long to you guys. I know we skipped oh. last week, but for us, we haven't recorded for like three weeks at least, like a whole month. Yeah. I was thinking yesterday, I'm so proud of past me because <laughs> I was so organized and now I'm back into it and it feels a bit like chaos. But anyway, we'll be right. We'll get it all sorted and all be ready chaos. to go. So Olivia is back fresh from vacation. So she oh. is ready to be very um, great. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Extra great. Extra I'm always great. great. Extra great. Extra great. <laughs> We've been back in the country for just over 24 hours now. So I've been asleep for about 13 of those hours. Um, but no, feeling good actually. Feeling very fresh, which is surprising. I think I've got a little cure for jet lag which is where basically you just need to go as hard as you can the first day you get to the country and then sleep as hard as you can that night <laughs> which is what I did last night so <clears throat> I was asleep by 7 30 p.m Australian time last night so hopefully you're adjusted and back yeah back to normal I feel like it takes a few days for your body to adjust to like meals and things like that which sounds weird but like you're like your body's like it must be breakfast time when it's you know dinner time and things like that so Mm. anyway hopefully that should be all right the kids were asleep very early um yeah we had we had a fair bit of sleep on the flight on the way back which is always good because I think I had one hour of flight one hour of sleep on the flight going over um and that makes for a very very long 36 hours or however long but anyway it was worth it it was great we had a great trip what was um um, remind everyone all the like main places you went to and then what was your favorite we're away for about three, just over three weeks. So we flew to LA, had a few days there, then went to San Diego. We got a car then, went to San Diego, Phoenix, Sedona, Grand Canyon, Vegas, Palm Springs, then back to Disneyland for four days and then one day in LA at the end. Um, I know I really, really like Sedona. I've never been there before. And also the same for Palm Springs. I've never been there. My kids have never been to any of these places, so they love the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably I'd say Palm Springs and Sedona for me were kind of highlights. We did spend five days in Vegas, which I know is a lot for Vegas, but we loved it. Like we had such a good place to stay. We had tons of room, which is so nice when you're just living in hotel rooms for three weeks. Um, you know, the weather was amazing everywhere, super hot in Vegas, super hot in Phoenix, but that was so nice for us from this freezing cold winter here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say Sedona, if you, if you get ever get a chance to go there, it is beautiful. It's mind-blowingly beautiful. Just I've never really seen anything like it that I can, you know, compare it to so I would absolutely recommend heading there if you get a chance yeah it's funny because it's like all places like I live here but like I've never been to the I've been to California once but like I've never been to most of the places on the west coast but I'm like I've been to a lot of places yeah. on the east coast yeah we see yeah and then thinking thing for us is the east coast is just so much further like I think it's another six yeah. hour flight so it's almost 
the same as us going to Europe or whatever. But um, yeah, I figure my daughter, my oldest daughter is 11. So we've probably got six or seven years of holidays left with her before she doesn't want to come with us anymore. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and do different places. Like I know, you know, some people like, and my husband and I have been to Vegas a lot. We, we went there, you know, we love going there, but I figure now we'll have to try and mix it up and just take them to as many different places as we can while we can. So how was, um, four days of Disney? The pictures seem oh. super crowded. <laughs> I I don't know like that's my one regret of the trip is I wish we had have done Disney at the start because it is honestly exhausting. Mm-hmm. I have never in my life been so tired. I don't know how people go to Disney continuously. It is so much. There are so many people. It's hot. Well, it wasn't too hot. It was, you know, I guess it's hot for people who aren't used to it. It was much cooler than Vegas and all that, but um it's just chaos like one day we're in the park from 9 a.m we went and had a few hours break in the afternoon and then we were there till midnight it's just crazy like the lines for the rides are over an hour long I don't know like maybe maybe I'm just out of practice (laughs) because here I think I feel like there's obviously less of a population so you never have to wait that long for things but we had a fast pass which was good so we got on most of the rides pretty quickly but I see people lining up for you know 70 or 80 minutes for a it's crazy. I've been to oh. like the one in Florida a few times, or like the different parks. Wow, deep down. Um, <laughs> I've been to the ones in Florida a few times. I used to go with my friend, and I remember even as like an adult, not even like an adult, where I'm like, oh, I'm old and tired, like in my like twenties. By the end of the day, I was like, I'm so exhausted and cranky from being oh here all day. But in the Florida one, I just I went to um, Universal, like when the Harry Potter world first opened. Not on purpose. I do love Harry Potter, but it wasn't planned that way. But the wait for some of those rides at that time were literally like three hours. Oh, my gosh. Even like I was so like everyone everyone gives you all these tips and someone's like in the last two hours that the park's open, so from 10 p.m. to midnight, you can get on so many rides. I'm like, oh, my God, that is like the last thing I want to be doing. Yeah, like, <laughs> I just want to be in bed at that stage. But anyway, it was really good. Like in saying that, in saying that, it was cr- crazy busy. They've got an amazing app which you basically can book everything on. Um, you can order food on the app. Oh, it cool. just involves a lot of being orga- organized. Like yeah. you can't just go and kind of wing it, um, which is a bit more what we're used to. So it was just a different experience. But the kids loved it. Um, we ha- we did have a great time. Like I was just thinking this morning, we were so lucky with the whole trip. Nothing went wrong. We didn't lose bags. We had no delays. We had no sickness. We had, you know. No cancelled flights. No cancelled flights. Everything was on time. Everything went well like you know all the hotels and everyone was great like everyone was so helpful and so friendly I think I said to you I noticed a massive difference between Australia and the US because I think the USA obviously is a lot more service oriented in terms of yeah whereas you don't hear no one wants to help you no one (laughs) no one could be and I'm being I'm being you know general you know generalizing but um like most people were so helpful you know we even got into one hotel in LA at 8 30 in the morning which you would they would never in a million years let you in here even if they had spare rooms they'd be like oh no check-ins at three you can come back later whereas everyone just went out of their way to help you there which was really really nice especially after a 15 hour flight to get into your hotel room at 8 30 in the morning was amazing well good for us (laughs) go USA yes yeah no it was good it's um yeah, I, I as I said, I've been there a few times. We used to live in Canada, so I noticed this time though that everything was a lot more expensive than it ever has been before, it's which crazy. I'm sure everyone's noticed that. Um, like when we used to go to the US, even with the exchange rate for us, like for instance, when I buy one US dollar, it costs me about a dollar 
35, I think, or 30-ish at this rate. So we lose some money kind of in the conversion. But um, it always used to be a cheap holiday even with that or a cheaper holiday. And this time, yeah, definitely wasn't. It was up there with here, which I've always found to be expensive. So, yeah. Um, yeah, tough time crazy, to crazy. to come to the U.S. Inflation's at like its highest right now. Yeah, I know. Same here, I think. And then even like we always used to go and do tons and tons of shopping because we always used to get good deals. But this time, I just found there wasn't much, you know, difference and no, you know, no real point in buying there compared to here. Yeah. Um, I know like you guys want to hear about crime, but I know some of you, at least some of you, care about Olivia's big trip in our <laughs> lives. So if you don't, you can fast forward. Um, a few minutes, yeah, but. When you were in like the Grand Canyon area, she, Olivia like didn't have service really. So like I'd message her on Facebook like usual and like didn't come to her. And then I got like a text from this random number and it's like, it's Olivia. I'm on my US SIM card. I'm at the Grand Canyon and I think I might die here basically. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. We ended up, um, we booked this ranch at the Grand Canyon and when we drove in there, like I was expecting it to be kind of, you know, and like I know it's a ranch, there was cabins, you know, I was expecting all that, but I was expecting just kind of a nice experience. <laughs> anyway, when we got in there, and in, in saying that, we ended up having a great time. But when I got in there, I was like, oh my goodness, this is not what I expected. It was all very derelict. Like it looked like I think I think I said Texas Chainsaw like, Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like where you'd where you'd where you'd go in there and you'd never ever come out. Yeah. You sh- you sent me uh, pics. It looked cute but it just looked very like themed, like very Western yeah. uh, ranch themed. The, the actual like accommodation itself was fine, but they had a lot of buildings and things on the property that were just Abandoned. derelict. Like, and I think you know, to be fair, I think COVID hit them really hard, and they said they've only been reopened four months and things like that, mm. which I get. But um, when I was checking in there, I saw them or heard them talking about some other family who had checked in and then left. <laughs> they didn't want to stay. Oh, no. <laughs> um you know but anyway we only had one night there and it was actually really fun in the end we did a we saw buffalo and you know we did all that kind of stuff so it was cool but like I was like oh my goodness and then also with there being no service and no way to contact anyone yeah I was like what is going on I was like this is how the the unsolved mysteries episode starts with this like text (laughs) of you being like I'm texting you from this random number, like, just in case. <laughs> just in case anything happens. And, like, I, I could stand still in one spot and get, like, one bar of service and that was it. And, of course, so. when you had no service, that was when Caitlin Armstrong yes. was arrested. <laughs> Even when I got off the flight yesterday, I, like, both flights, because, you, like, you are uncontactable for 15 hours or however long. I was like, I wonder what's going to have happened by the time I get off these They solved Delphi. <laughs> <laughs> we wish, we wish. There was a bit of a Murdoch op- update, but that was when I was off the flight. Yeah. Yeah, that was all stuff we basically knew. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, good to be back to normal, back into it. Um, The other kind of little exciting thing, I guess, that is probably happening is that we are getting a new puppy tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. I I saw you (laughs) sent that in the chat and I was like, is this a fever dream? You're getting another puppy? (laughs) (laughs) This is like, because we've been talking about it for a while because we've got our old dog and he's lovely, but he's just sick of Daisy. (laughs) Yeah. And she just would. Oh my God, she would live for another puppy. So when we were in LA, I think I saw this um, Labrador kind of breeder that I followed posted that she had some puppies. So I messaged her and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll bring it to you on Saturday. I'm like, oh my goodness. So (laughs) Saturday morning, nine o'clock, we're getting another puppy. Oh my gosh. very Black black Labrador, eight week old male. We're very unorganized. I have to go to the shop today and buy like a crate (laughs) and all these things that he needs. Do the kids know? 
Yes, they know, they know. And they, yeah, they know. <laughs> they're, they're the ones who kind of orchestrated all this. They were desperate for another puppy. So yeah. I said, that's it now. There will be no more dogs in this household while you live here. So <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, and I guess one last thing to talk about before we get on with it. Now that you returned, is Elmo still there? I haven't seen him. But in saying that, I've only been home for... Like I think we got back to our house at 10 o'clock yesterday morning and I probably would have expected to see him if he was still around. So um, the house sitters that we have didn't mention it. So oh, no. I don't you didn't know. inform to them to take him. care of him? <laughs> well, I told them about Elmo. I actually forgot to ask. So maybe I'll ask when I, I'll send them a text today and see. But yeah, no, I haven't seen him. I would be surprised if he is because we are now really, really, really in the depths of freezing cold winter and it's been absolutely pouring rain here apparently most of the time oh, we've been yeah. away. So I think he may have gone into hibernation or gone moved on for the winter, but hopefully I'll keep you posted if I do see him. But I haven't seen him in the well, 20 hours that I've been home. Well, I'll be anxiously waiting. <laughs> oh, and if anyone, how about you? What's I was going to say, if anyone cares, uh, I got through, I know I said, I got through the bridal shower, got through the bachelorette party. Both were a lot of fun. We went to Boston. I saw people there what the place I was at from The Bachelor. I'm like a huge Bachelor fan, so I fucking died, but I didn't want to be that person. So I just died <laughs> silently on the inside because like no one else mm-hmm. gave a fuck. But if anyone else likes The Bachelor, like add me on Instagram and talk to me about it because I could talk about <laughs> it all day. I fucking love it. Um, That's yeah, exciting. It was great. It was fun. We did a cute little cat theme. I posted some pictures on my Instagram if anyone wants to see. We did it's a good theme if you ever have to like throw a party like that where the person like doesn't want you to just have penises everywhere. So we did cats and it was like Shannon's getting meowed and like meowing forever. Last meow before the vow. And we wore little That's cat ears. Cute. It was fun. That's cute. It's not cheesy like the penis and the, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of unique. It was very cute. Yeah, and wearing cat ears was so fun. So many people were like, what are you guys doing? It's like, isn't it obvious it's like a bachelorette party? Like, where else are people going to be wearing <laughs> matching shirts and cat ears? <clears throat> Maybe you're just part of like a cat club or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone, the one girl caught like people taking pictures of us, like trying to take them on the sly. And she's like, it's a bachelorette party, just so you know. <laughs> and the girl's like, oh, I wasn't sure. Like, no, we're just like a cult, actually. <laughs> Speaking of cults, perfect segue. <laughs> perfect intro. That's what our episode today is about. Since you guys loved the last cult episode so much, was a big hit. We're, we decided to do another one about a couple of cults. And then at the end, uh, we briefly kind of mentioned the cases just before. We'll talk about the quick updates with uh, the Murdochs. Just kidding. The Murdochs. <laughs> I'm here to redeem myself. And with um, Caitlin Armstrong and all of that. So if you're into those, stick around and we'll talk about them at the end. Um, we're going to talk about Teal Swan today, who is like a cult leader who says she's like not a cult leader, but she claims to be able to treat all these mental illnesses because, you know, she reads auras and uses like healing vibes and crystals and stuff, which is actually super dangerous because, you know, she's um, not actually a doctor or is actually trained to treat mental illness and a few people in her circle have committed suicide. So we're going to get into her story a little bit. And then we're going to talk about the probably like bigger, more well-known story, Baby Holly. We're going to talk about Baby Holly, which had like a weird cult twist to it in the end. So 
Very interesting. We had tons of messages <clears throat> from people because the Baby Holly case is like one I think that's around 40 years old and it's just come to a conclusion. So when it happened this year, we had lots of people messages saying, are you going to cover this case? Are you going to cover this case? There's not, um, you know, tons and tons of information. So it kind of made sense to pair it with Teal's episode now that there's a cult connection for both of them. Yeah, and even though there's not like a ton of information, it, the information that there is is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's wild. Like that would be absolutely a movie, I think. Eventually. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this is literally like a movie plot. <laughs> Peep is in her bed, ready to go. She like was happy to have a month off, but she is happy to be back here <laughs> in her bed listening to me record. Great, great team player. <laughs> she's missed it <laughs> i know she was like when are you guys gonna record again and i was like i don't know <laughs> uh, people are like shut the fuck up <laughs> you've been talking for 15 minutes <laughs> whatever so we're gonna start off with teal swan like i said she uh i don't know if she's well known now i mean more well known i guess there's a hulu doc- documentary about her called the deep end um it says 50 percent of people like this tv show um, according to Google, and it has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, so I guess it's interesting enough. Don't you tell another this is Teal Swan. Don't you to her followers, she's a savior. You've got equal amounts of joy and power as you do despair. Teal Swan has over 145 million views online. I got tattooed. I never heard anyone you saved my life. speak so much truth. I feel like she's Jesus. When I first met Teal, I was just kind of awestruck in a way. Teal experienced the worst of the worst, and she knows I would die for this. We hired a private investigator. My job is to try to figure out if this is a cult or not. We've had members leave. What do you think about this list? Most of it is illegal. The people in my life have to be more dedicated to mission. If you want to come within 50 miles of me, you better be ready for the deepest end of the pool. It's like, what are you willing to do for this cause? I was so washed. I'd be willing to kill someone and bury them in the backyard. And just as a heads up, Teal's story does mention suicide and kind of how she views suicide and kind of manipulates her followers into thinking suicide's reincarnation. So if that could be triggering to you, maybe just skip to Baby Holly. But she's kind of being talked about more lately. She does have a massive following. Like I think she has like one over a million followers on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. And she claims to be able to like heal people and like treat mental illnesses and you know all the usual cult stuff. Yeah, she's got six hundred thirty-four thousand on Instagram. I'm just having a look now. It's um interesting because I did a oh I think I did a post saying we were going to record about her and it was involved in a cult and people are like wow I had no idea you know it's definitely think- like a newer thing. Yeah, yeah. There's also um a podcast. I'll double check. But I think it's called The Gateway. That's about. They talked to one of the mothers of one of the people who were in the cult that ended up committing suicide. So that's also um, interesting if you want to learn more about it. We're just going to do kind of like the general overview so then you guys know what the hell is going on. 
And who the hell her, is Teal um, Swan? In- her Instagram, just to give you an idea, it's, it's Teal, Teal Swan official and it says, spiritual leader, international public speaker, best-selling author and YouTuber. But then interestingly, she's got backup account is, I think it's Philia Center, which is her kind of retreat center. So it's interesting to me that someone who's apparently so legit would need a backup account. But anyway. <laughs> Come, to- coming from us, you have a backup account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only on Facebook, yeah, We're though. not legit. <laughs> not legit at all. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with the bio from her publisher's website, which is, it says, Teal Swan is an internationally recognized spiritual leader and an influential new voice in the field of metaphysics. She was born with a range of extrasensory abilities, including clairvoyance, clairsentience. Yeah. Is that even a real word? Yeah, it's because th- I think voyance is where you see, clairaudience is where you hear, and then clairsentience yes. is maybe when you feel. Let me just, I'll just Google it. It's, yeah, it's a real word though. <laughs> I usually just hear clairvoyance. Clairsentience, loosely translated, means clear feeling and is perhaps the most down to earth of all the intuitive gifts. So oh, it's, it's the ability to sense someone's emotions. So an so. empath. <laughs> Yeah, someone might come at us, that might not be it. All right, that's like whatever. Um, And also she has the extrasensory ability of clairaudience. So it goes on to say that she survived 13 years of physical, mental, and sexual abuse before escaping her abuser at age 19 and beginning her own process of recovery and transformation. Today, she shares what she's learned with millions of people, teaching them how to find forgiveness, happiness, freedom, and self-love in their lives. She reaches a wide audience through a range of powerful and accessible online resources and through various publications, media interviews, frequency art, frequency artwork, okay, and (laughs) synchronization workshops that she presents around the world. Welcome to your physical life. Even though you don't remember it, before you came here, you had specific intentions for what you wanted to experience in this life. Some of you wanted to taste of true love. Some of you to feel true freedom. Some of you wanted a simple life, or else the little things that matter. You chose the perfect family and the perfect initial experience for this intention you set for this life. You knew all the potentials that would come from choosing those parents, that neighborhood, that culture, that place and that time. When you saw that perfect potential, you took it. You took it because you knew it would be the exact conditions necessary for your own personal expansion. And there is no difference between your personal expansion and the universe's expansion. When you expand, the universe expands. When you learn, the universe learns. Surprisingly, Teal Swan is not her real name. I know you guys are shocked. She (laughs) was born as Mary Teal Bosworth on June 16th, 1984. So she does have Teal in her name. She was born in Santa Fe, New Mexico, moved to Logan, Utah with her family when she was young. Can't find too much on her parents or her family, really, but we have seen mention that she does have a younger brother named Sky. Logan, Utah is an area that has a high number of practicing Mormons. Teal said that from an early age, she felt like she didn't really belong and was often bullied for having different beliefs than her peers. 
she said that she always knew that she was different from her classmates from her classmates she knew that early on she noticed that there were differences in how she reacted to events versus how her friends reacted teal's mother has said that teal was hypersensitive when she was growing up especially to sound she has spoken to the media many times about her traumatic childhood she claimed that from the age of six she was raped abused and quote psychologically tortured by a family friend the abuse according to her went on until she was 19 years old she also claims that she was subjected to ritualistic satanic abuse for over a decade she told the huffington post quote when i was 12 i was placed on a metal table in a veterinary office after hours the cult trainer of the group had black mesh over his face and he hooked me up to electrodes placing gel under each one and used an old projector to project images of dead animal carcasses onto the wall in front of me every time he would change the slide on the projector screen he would shock me he kept saying look what you did over and over china suggests that i had killed all those animals it's like is this true I know it, it kind of like I, I know it's not exactly the same, but it kind of reminds me a bit of Coco Berthman, how she said that you know her parents trafficked her mm-hmm. when she was young. Like, yeah, I'd love to know if any of this is true. Like, I don't know. It's yeah, it sounds unbelievable. Yeah, like I I hate to be the person to be like, oh, she's probably lying about all her childhood abuse, <laughs> but in situations like this, you just never know, especially when it's so crazy like this. But then again. You never know. It could be true. There's, It's and, not proven. It's not disproven. Yeah, the other thing is she's, she's very open about all this. Like she's written books. She's, you know, <clears throat> this is all out there. It's not like we've dug this up randomly. Everyone knows this in regards to Teal Swan. So, you know, maybe it is true if it hasn't been disproven yet. Yeah, but if you're wondering if it's true, so are we. So Teal has said that she was subjected to this abuse in an attempt to suppress her extrasensory abilities and alleged clairvoyance, all stemming from her hypersensitivity. She spoke to a reporter named Chris Oswald about another abusive episode. She said, quote, he would be driving and suddenly he'd be like 20, 19, 18, 17. He'd pull over to the side of the road and that was my cue to get out of the car and run. I was supposed to evade him for a certain period of time, like two to three hours. I'd be trying to run away, and he would track me. If he caught me, I would get punished, like my rib cage is covered in these scars because he would count. Back then, I would get really proud of myself when I would get away from him instead of realizing that I was being chased by someone who killed children. So it's also like it's very vague where I'm like, wait, who was killing children? Yeah. Was this person arrested? Like, why are you running away from them and they're catching you? It's crazy. The cult that Teal became involved in is called the Blood Covenant, according to her. Um, She's also said that she attempted multiple times to take her own life, and she ended up escaping the satanic abuse when she was around 19. So when she was around 27, which would be in 2011, Teal started to tell her story, and she released a book called The Sculptor in the Sky. On Amazon, the uh, bio for the book says... You cannot have a life. You cannot lose a life. You are life. It is you who holds the power to decide yourself back onto the path you intended, the path of welcoming and becoming your own bliss. The Sculptor in the Sky, the new book by spiritual catalyst Teal Scott, takes you on a journey of rediscovery of the universe, of God, and of yourself. This extraordinary book challenges us to reconnect 
with the eternal essence of our being and to expand our ideas about the reality we live in. It is a must-have for the curious, the wanting, and the ready. A provocative guide to answering the questions that every person asks at some point in their life. Teal also started her YouTube channel in 2011, and she currently has 1.29 million subscribers on there. Knew there was over a million somewhere. (laughs) And she hosted her first public speaking event in 2011. She had around 20 guests show up to see her. So her rise to fame seems like it was steady. During 2015, she received her first major major media coverage discussing the use of her mantra, quote, what would someone who loved themselves do? There's an article on her from 2018 titled, quote, Woman's Bizarre Claims She's Actually Part Alien. <laughs> and it says, American Teal Swan has been labeled a cult leader and a Gucci guru in a damning expose published on Medium. The article claims Teal has previously said she works with 11 other aliens in an intergalactic green peace type organization. Um, The article says she says she has x-ray vision and hearing that she can inject herself into people's brain stems to revive them and she can hear tectonic plates moving. All right. Um, Also (laughs) says believing she is part human part extraterrestrial as well as non-physical teal apparently once said that an entire an entire panel of arcturian beings which are six-dimensional beings chose the way she would look in this life teal also claims she can hear a person's bones organs nerves veins and she can see the future through visions and dreams she said how do i have all this information it's because I'm extrasensory. I'm not limited to this dimension or time-space reality. It's very Lori Vallow and love has one. <laughs> I have to, yeah, yeah. finish it and then I'll say what I was going to say. Um, she also said, I did not come to Earth with a specific message. I came here as a course turner. I am the game changer. You have to kind of wonder, like that that was from 2018, <clears throat> so you have to kind of wonder if she may have moved away from the whole alien part of it a little bit because it doesn't seem to be as widely um, kind of publicized in terms of her. It's not like her platform you know, anymore. Yeah, anymore. So maybe she kind of started out with that um, and I'm sure it's still part of it, but she doesn't seem to yeah, widely, you know, shout that anymore. Yeah, and that's even... It's similar to like the love has one story in a lot of ways, whereas like both of them were like abused or like different as children and then they were like victims. And then it's almost like they start doing this to like dissociate from their childhood trauma. Childhood. And then it just turns into this big thing. And now like they have millions of followers. Universal consciousness, which your soul is a part of, designed this reality as a kind of computer program. This program adheres to certain rules, rules like gravity, the speed of light, and sound. But the ultimate rule of this universe is called the law of mirroring. This rule means that life on Earth is experienced as a kind of mirror hologram, where everything that is within you reflects in your external life. This means you can manifest anything you like, Whether it's a car, money, a lover, a state of health, a state of peace, by first experiencing it in your internal world, 
in your thoughts and your emotions. This knowledge about the way that the universe really works is the key to living the life that you've always wanted. The truth is you're not powerless. If you're afraid of someone leaving you, find the aspect within you that leaves people. If you're afraid of being manipulated by other people, find the part of you that manipulates other people. If you're afraid of terrorism, find the terrorist in you. Teal calls her followers the Teal Tribe, and some of her followers we've seen also refer to themselves as Tealers. She established a Teal Tribe commune in Costa Rica, and people paid upwards of $2,000 per visit to the commune, where she hosts spirituality workshops. Some of her followers are so devout that they have actually moved to Costa Rica. Very Jonestown of them. Her commune there is called Philia, P-H-I-L-I-A. So from Philia's website, this is what it says about them. It says, in today's fast-paced and abrasive world, most of us spend our time on guard. We cannot truly be ourselves and let others really see into us because we don't feel emotionally safe around other people. Philia is a place where people can be emotionally safe enough to dropping their masks and allow their full vulnerability to surface and to be held by others. As a result, by visiting Philia, you are opening yourself up to genuine heart-to-heart connections and friendships that can last a lifetime with both other guests and the people who live and work at Philia. The staff at Philia are all trained to be completely emotionally present with all guests as well as to facilitate the completion process. Many people who visit Philia come to take a break from life. However, we often find that we end up taking all of our emotional baggage on vacation with us too. This is expected at Philia. At Philia, when emotional triggers surface, our certified practitioners are available to support and guide you through the past trauma that is surfacing so that you can create a new life as a result, free from limited beliefs and fears. So I'm sure none of these people were actually certified. It's like part of the problem. Yeah. It seems like COVID, like with everything else, may have put a damper on their commune events because according to their website, the last one was in 2020. I just had another look, and yeah, there's still no updates. And also on the Philia Instagram, the last post was from 2020. So, um, yeah, be interested to see if she gets that back up and running now that things are a little bit more open. Mm. The Commune website also mentions that guests will undergo the completion process, which we just mentioned in that statement. And this is what that is, according to the website. It says, the completion process is a comprehensive approach to healing core traumas that recur as emotional triggers that prevent us from living empowered lives free of fear. The completion process is an 18-step visualization that walks you through an emotional trigger following the emotion to the earliest memory, then resolving the child's needs through both mental visualization of resolution and providing awareness through the adult perspective the events that occurred. That's one of those stances where there's so many words that are unnecessary, just trying to sound like really smart, where I totally lost the meaning. All of the stuff like that is so poorly written. It's um like there's a lot of repetition. It's basically just a bunch of words. Yeah. It's, it's so not, like convoluted. Like it's, it's not engaging. That sentence is a whole paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> that hurt my brain. Um <laughs> So related to the completion process is Teal's method of teaching. She often encourages the Tealers to imagine their own deaths by suicide. This info is from a BBC article that was written in 2019, and it says, Her brand centers on giving mental health advice, much of which is aimed at people who feel depressed or suicidal. 
Swan, whose beliefs include reincarnation and the power of crystal healing, say her experience as a survivor of several suicide attempts give her particular insight that she claims mental health professionals lack. Um, a Refinery29 piece notes that while Teal is not directly encouraging suicide and that she claims to have, quote, the strategy to help people out of suicidal thoughts, nevertheless, her highly triggering comments and extreme views on suicide that trickle into almost every piece of content she produces are potentially harmful. As evidented, by the way, Teal compares followers with suicidal thoughts to stray cats and orphaned children. <laughs> um so the BBC article that we just mentioned before outlines the story of a female named Casey who took her own life. And Casey's mother, Sarah, after she committed suicide, she started to go through Casey's social media looking for answers. And she discovered that Casey was in the Teal Tribe Facebook group. And Casey had posted in the group saying that she had tried to take her life on a previous occasion. And in response to people, including one of the moderators of the group replied with Teal's video entitled, I want to kill myself, parentheses, what to do if you're suicidal. So this info is directly from the BBC article. It says, in the video, Swan urges those who are feeling suicidal to seek medical help, but goes on to say that in her experience, for some people, this may not help long term. I'm going to tell you what most people tell you, which is that if you're genuinely suicidal, Contact a mental health professional to check yourself into a hospital. This is an option if you really feel like you can't trust yourself not to kill yourself at this moment. So I'll leave that judgment to you. It may very well be the best decision for you at this time. But I also know from personal experience that being admitted to a hospital because you're suicidal is just enough to make it so that those extreme emotions pass, so that impulse to kill yourself passes. But then, in the future, oftentimes it can come back. I also know from personal experience, this is just being for myself, not one time over the course of all of the mental health professionals that I met, did I meet somebody who could actually help me address the underlying cause of those particular suicidal feelings. And so, they continued to come back, and I attempted suicide again in the future. She instead suggests that suicide be seen as our safety net or our reset button that's always available to us um, because she preached that you would get reincarnated into like a new life was the belief. She argues that viewing it in this way enables people to set the idea aside and instead concentrate on what they can do to make themselves feel better in the present. Here's the thing. I'm not going to be like every other person and freak out right now because I'm so scared of death that I have to convince you that death or suicide is wrong. I'm not going to be like every other person and try to sugarcoat life for you by trying to sell you on the good points of it and tell you that your life is going to be all okay. Because the reality is, from where you're standing, you have absolutely no proof that that is true. I'm also not going to be like every other person and tell you that you have to live. Why? Because I'm so scared of losing you and I need you around and so I'm going to talk to you from that self-centered standpoint. Instead, I'm going to get really, really real with you. Right now, you do not have proof that Earth is anything but suffering and you have no reason to believe that it will get better. And you're right to feel this way. You aren't wrong about your perspective. There is nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. Right now, you're in more pain than you can cope with. Suicide is nothing more than pain exceeding your pain-coping resources. A lot of what is making you want to kill yourself right now is the belief that on top of feeling so much despair, there is something wrong with you for feeling that despair. This causes you to feel more despair and ultimately turn on yourself. 
but from the standpoint of a spiritual teacher, I'm going to tell you that there is nothing wrong with you at all. Anyone in your circumstance, in your experience, would feel exactly this same way. Chances are, if you even clicked on this video, even from inside this isolated torture chamber that you're living your life inside, there's an infinitesimal speck inside of you that actually wants life instead of death. So what I need from you is not even to want to live. You don't need to feel that way right now. What I need you to do is to try what I'm going to suggest in this video instead of trying to commit suicide at this moment. She also suggests an exercise in which viewers are told to lie down on the floor and imagine their deaths in grisly detail. She argues in the video that by doing so, viewers will realize that there is nowhere to go but back to life. So why leave? So easy. I don't know how imagining your death in detail is, yeah, it doesn't seem to correlate, but anyway. Yeah. Um, It's like those people who, but like the why leave thing, it's the people when you're like, I'm depressed, and they're like, go for a run. (laughs) <laughs> just go and, yeah eat, eat some salad and you'll be fine get some fresh air do yoga <laughs> um she does stress in the video that killings oneself would quote create a devastating ripple for loved ones and it does matter if you're here or not here you don't want to die what you want is an end to your pain casey took her life two weeks after making that post and her mother sarah has said well i believe there was more than one undercurrent happening in the life of our daughter, you would have to convince me otherwise that Teal's teachings did not play a significant role in the mind of our daughter when she took her own life. The BBC reporter approached Teal at one of her events in Chicago and asked her about the idea that she was promoting suicide, and she got very defensive. Um, It says, at first she laughed at the idea, saying, that's pretty funny. It's really funny to me. Then she took a more serious tone. She said to call her a proponent of suicide was ridiculous and said that anyone who does so obviously hasn't watched her videos. When I say when I, it's the reporter. When I put it to her that two young people were members of her group had taken their lives, the atmosphere grew tense. I'm not aware of them, she answered. She then grew visibly angry, saying that she was the reason more people hadn't killed themselves. And she said, If you look at the demographic of people who are interested in my type of material, you're working with an unstable group of people. She went on to say, to suggest that I'm responsible for suicide in people who came to me suicidal, that's pretty insane. Teal said that she felt a lot of anxiety in regards to the Facebook group. She said, you start a Facebook group hoping that it's going to be a place for all these individuals to come to. Then let's say somebody does decide to kill themselves out of this large number of people who are already suffering before they get to you. I'm trying to get moderators who are on different time zones, but let's say one of us doesn't see it, a suicidal post, and now somebody says, you should have seen it. Now it's your fault they committed suicide. Um, She said, we think it's about, we think about this all the time. You've got people who are vulnerable. What are you supposed to do when you can't catch all of it? She also admitted that the volunteers who help run the page receive no training and few instructions on what to do if they do see posts in which someone says they feel suicidal. She said, sometimes it feels like you have a psych ward with nobody attending the building and you can't afford to pay them to attend the building. And who's going to sign on for that type of job anyways? <laughs> That's so insensitive. Like, It's like how she calls them stray cats or whatever. Yeah. I, the reporter, put it to her that perhaps social media is not the right forum for such sensitive discussions. And she said, that's actually my question I ask myself a lot. And I think about my 15-year-old self. 
I'm thinking about what I would have wanted when it was three o'clock in the morning and everybody else in my household was asleep. If there had been somebody on a YouTube video telling me how to feel differently, I would have wanted that. It's interesting because, yeah, I think the YouTube option is a little bit different to having a Facebook group where someone may, may make a post and expect, you know, for other people to help them. Whereas a YouTube video, you just go and watch the video and you move on or whatever. But yeah, it just is a bit strange that she's not acknowledging that. Like I get her idea and like the idea of it sounds good, but she's just like not executing it well. Like you want right. to be there. She's ex. <clears throat> you want to be there to she's like help doing, people yeah. who are feeling like vulnerable and sad when there's no one around. But now she's like, oh, these stray cats. Like, ugh. <laughs> she's doing like she's kind of trying to be everywhere but not doing it in a responsible way like yeah I actually tried to join I don't know if it is the main Facebook group if that's even still around because this the one I tried to join wasn't very big and they denied me <laughs> because I didn't answer the questions properly but um it's yeah I don't know like I feel like she doesn't really need to have this Facebook group but I guess for her it's another way of getting engagement and you know getting members or tealers whatever they are so she could just limit it to, to the youtube and to other ways of social media but she seems to want to you know but even in have that interaction like in our facebook group it's happened to us before where people leave like comments that seem suicidal or kind of hint at things like that and we we've always when we catch it i think we pretty much always catch it because we were very on top of our facebook group when it was like popping but there's been times where we literally be trying to figure out where these people live, asking like people yeah. on their Facebook page who know them, if they could contact them, like calling the police ourselves, um, trying to get in touch with people who could help them. So it's like, yes, if something did happen to them, it wouldn't be our fault. But it's like we do at least have some sort of responsibility to at least try, I'd say, like a moral a responsibility. A yeah, a bit of a process in place and, you know, I think all of our team would know what to do or, you know, know what to try to do anyway, whereas for her to even admit that they, you know, her moderators have little instruction and they try and catch things, it's, yeah, not really a glowing. Well, and also you know, how she was just like, well, I had no group. idea whether she did or didn't. If she didn't, yeah. that's just as bad. It's like you can't have this, like, what you want to be this hub for suicidal people and, like, not have any fucking idea no. what's going on. Yeah, no accountability really. Yeah, so, I don't know. Seems like a lose-lose all the way around. In 2020, Teal released her first novel, Hunger of the Pine. This is the bio from Goodreads. It says, Arya Abbott has never had a home. Drifting through the foster system most of her life, she finally finds herself in a situation so unbearable that she has no choice but to run away. Sleeping on the streets pushes Arya beyond any suffering she has felt before. The only thing worse than seeing no escape is the knowledge that no one in the world cares enough to try to find her. Enter Taylor, a homeless young man with a charismatic smile and a dream of fame, fortune, and the sunshine of LA. Swept up in his energy, Arya and Taylor board a Greyhound bus and never look back. In this bright new world, Arya will discover a whole community of people living in the shadows and the margins of society. As Taylor follows his dreams, Arya follows her heart but she will discover that it isn't always clear who you can trust, that strangers can be kind or treacherous, or sometimes as familiar as your own reflection, if you're willing to look hard enough. Sounds insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> always got to throw in a, a romance, though. So we went online, like Olivia mentioned before, we tried to infiltrate some of the <laughs> uh, communities. Like I was looking at the subreddit, she was looking at youtube comments and these are some comments from her followers um one person said truly the most gifted woman have learned so much following her 
And another said, I will tell you from watching your channel, you're far from an alien. You're the most beautiful person. If you were trying to dominate the world, I'd campaign for you. Um, another said, I've been following you for years. Screw the haters. They're uh, wrong form of there. They're just giving you more airplay anyways. <laughs> There's some um, also interesting testimonials on the Philia website. Obviously, these are just going to be the positive ones. Brian went to a singles retreat there <laughs> in 2017. And he said, one week at Philia was truly a transformative experience. Not only did I leave with an amazing new girlfriend, mm. but the tools to live a happier life. Teal took me by the hand and facilitated my re reconnection to people, animals, source, and myself. The experiences and relationships from one week at Philia will last me a lifetime. What an amazing experience. Done a lot of singles retreats. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, like that's the people, people you get, the people who are single and desperate. One person called Marcel did both a singles retreat and a breatharian retreat. So I think a breatharian is basically where you don't eat, isn't it? You just live on air. Sounds terrible. Yeah. He wrote, Philia is an incredible experience, beautiful resort in a beautiful country. And then he goes on, um, I highly recommend this experience to anyone looking for spiritual growth and like-minded connections. So even though there are many of her followers who have glowing things to say about her, of course, there are just as many people, maybe more, who believe that what she is doing is dangerous. Um, one of those experts, Dr. Jonathan Singer, he is the president of the American Association of Suicidology. And he said, when I heard Teal say that suicide can be a reset button, I was disturbed. It suggests you can kill yourself and that things will start over and be better. And that's not true. She's got these ideas that in her mind are only helpful, but for others, it could be really dangerous. What you're doing when you tell somebody to visualize how they're going to kill themselves is you're telling them to practice in their mind. Jed Flynn, he's the CEO of the UK suicide prevention charity, Papyrus. He was shown Teal's video, which advises viewers to imagine their deaths, the one that we spoke about. And he said, it's not helpful in any circumstances to encourage anyone who has thoughts of suicide to imagine being dead and further to glorify the state. This exercise can only lead to the risk of harm and even death. Such exercises are irresponsible. She is risking the glorification of suicide. So that's really it about Teal. Kind of still seems to be one of the things that's kind of like reaching ahead. Like nothing's really imploded totally yet. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I'll be surprised if there eventually isn't more of a fallout from this. Yeah, I wonder if the families of the people... It'd be hard to prove, depending what there is, but if they could sue her for, like, wrongful death or anything. I'm just having a look on her YouTube, and um, there's a video just from six days ago, and it's titled Deep End Editing Tricks Exposed. Mm. <laughs> so it sounds like she's not very happy about some of maybe how she was portrayed in there. So maybe we could put a clip of that in if there's anything interesting. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see what it's like. And also just remember, people, like, I find these clips, and I have to listen to all this insufferable <laughs> shit just to find good <laughs> clips to put in for you. So I will listen to whatever the fuck she has to say. Hey there. So straight off the bat, you're not going to believe the video that I'm about to show you, but give me a minute just to set the scene. As you know, we've been doing these video responses about the TV series that was done about me that was called The Deep End. As you know by now, I am against this series in a very real way. The director and producers went to great lengths to deceive us for the period of three years. <sighs> what they did is that they cultured incredibly close, trusting and affectionate relationships with us, and then exploited and betrayed that trust. The entire time the director, producer, and crew told me that my work was helping the world, 
that I was a wonderful person and courageous and that I made a positive difference in their lives and in the world. They told me that the story arc would be a hero's journey. But, as you all know by now, when the series aired, the reality turned out to be the exact opposite. Instead, they portrayed me as a cult leader, falsely. The footage was edited to a degree that I cannot even believe is allowed. Um, Scenes were taken out of order and out of context. There was creepy music and lighting that was used to set a negative tone. They even spliced together (laughs) my voice from other conversations from different times and places. Essentially, it was edited to make the audience see what they wanted them to see, rather than the actual truthful reality of what actually happened. In terms of her YouTube, she's got like different sections. So relationship advice, self-help, feelings and emotions, sexuality, which is femininity and masculinity, parenting, social change and justice reform. Oh, she's got Does so it all. Synchronization workshops, meditation, secrets of the universe, nutrition, food and cooking. She can, you can mm. make hummus with her if you really oh, like. Nice. <laughs> Goes on and on. So, yeah, she's got a lot on there. She's uploading. Most recent one was five days ago. So she's still pretty still active Still going strong. Still going strong. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's it for her. I don't have much to say that has been said besides I hate people who do this shit. Yeah. I just, there's no real new articles on her. I, there was quite a lot after the Deep End was launched. Um, yeah, there's nothing really. She's just kind of bumbling along at the moment, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, so stay tuned on her. Yeah. And then next we have got the story of Baby Holly, which is kind of the more well-known story. So we'll get into that one. This morning, the missing baby of a couple found murdered four decades ago has been found alive. I'm excited to announce that Baby Holly has been located alive and well 42 years later. The stunning announcement made in Texas where Tina Gale and Harold Dean Klaus were found dead in a wooded area back in 1981. But the couple's baby daughter, Holly, was nowhere to be found. At the time, police could not identify the couple who had just moved to the Houston area from Florida. But last year, through genetic genealogy, authorities identified the remains and notified their families. And now, months later, they've finally tracked down baby Holly, as she's being endearingly called. She's now 42, living in Oklahoma. Her grandmother and aunt recalling what it was like to get the news Tuesday. That night I was able to go to bed and I slept all night. First time in 42 years. We had nightmares, you know, almost every night, you know, wondering, you know, what happened to Holly. All right, so to start with the information about baby, baby Holly, we'll go back to 1980. In 1980, Tina Gale, Lynn Klaus, and Harold Dean Klaus met. They fell in love. They moved from Florida to Louisville, Texas. Harold's mother is Donna Casa Santa, and she's spoken to the media and said that when they moved, Harold initially remained in touch with his family back home. Shortly after they arrived in Texas, Donna received a strange phone call from a woman who identified herself as Sister Susan. Sister Susan said that Tina and Harold had joined a religious group. They had given up all their possessions and had decided to cease all contact with their families. Susan told Donna that she could deliver Howard's car car to her in Daytona Beach in Florida in exchange for money. I believe that Donna kind of alerted the police this time and Susan was taken into custody after she showed up to exchange the car. Donna never heard from Howard again. In 1981, two bodies, a male and a female, were found in Houston, Texas. 
The male had been beaten and bound and the female had been strangled. They remained unidentified though until 2021, which is crazy. I know. It like, seems like, like, just put the pieces together. It seems like... I, I guess Harold's family thought that he'd maybe chosen to have no contact with them and he was alive and, and well. Join yeah. cult. Yeah. But um, in 2021, Tina and Harold's family learned what had become of them and that they'd actually been murdered over 30 years ago. Before they were murdered, Tina and Harold had a baby girl together named Holly. Holly's body wasn't found with those of her parents, so no one knew what had become of her. There's a photo on that's now online and it shows Tina and Harold with the baby in the middle. They look happy, like sitting on a brown couch, just smiling, you know, all look happy and well and they look fine. Very young too. Yeah. Um, so that was until 2022 when nobody knew what had become of Holly. The breakthrough came when forensic genealogists Misty Gillis and Alison Peacock of Texas-based FHD Forensic were contacted by investigators to help. The team inserted new information in gedmatch.com, which is a DNA matching website, and they were able to match Dean Klaus's DNA with his cousins in Kentucky. Investigators reached out to his sister Debbie Brooks and ultimately identified the bodies as Dean and Tina. Brooks asked the team if they had found the baby, but the genealogists weren't even aware that Holly had existed, so they began a new search, which led to them identifying her. So we've since learned that baby Holly was dropped off at a church shortly after her parents died. She was legally adopted and her adoptive parents are said to have not done anything wrong. It is now thought that the people who dropped Holly off were likely members of a cult called Christ's Family. First Assistant Attorney General of Texas, Brent Webster, has been interviewed about the case and he said that the Christ family group wore white robes, went barefoot, ate a vegetarian diet, they separated men and women and they shunned animal products. So Christ's family was led by a convicted drug trafficker named Lightning Amen, (laughs) who in 2003 was convicted of annoying or molesting a child under the age of 18. We were just commenting how we've never heard of the annoying charge before. I know. I was like, is this a tape? It's been reported everywhere. Yeah, no, it's but what's been reported everywhere. So I'm assuming it must be legitimate. Imagine like one person made the typo and then everyone else just copied. (laughs) So... The group Christ family numbered around 2,000 at its peak and they believed that marijuana is a God-given herb and they smoked it openly and they called it God's tranquilizer. The men wore diapers on their heads like a turban. So they're making do right here with what they've got. Mm. (laughs) Um, Christ family also believed in the separation of men and women and they moved around from coast to coast, quote, like the wind, which is from a 1980 report in the Washington Post. So that same Washington Post report said they did not wear leather goods, eat meat, eggs, dairy products, or even honey, as they say they are all the product of captive animals. Nearly all of them took the last name of Christ. Their most well-known feature was their white robes and bare feet, which was inspired by the idea that it could bring them closer to Jesus. The group were very poor. They had no money. They lived off food stamps and charity from the public, and they carried army-style blankets over their shoulders as makeshift beds. A cult expert named Joseph Simmerhart was interviewed and he said there were other Jesus-type groups, but these people were very distinctive. They said that you should smoke marijuana and they wore white robes. Right away you were curious because they were so distinctive. One of the women squatted down to talk to me. She didn't have any underwear on and she was very comfortable with that. He said, they're not trying to recruit me. They were not trying to recruit me and attracted people passively through their look and peaceful demeanor. A few young people would get curious and find meaning in their words and they'd sign up and a month later they'd be wearing the costume. The like description of them, it reminds me of 
the couple who abducted Elizabeth Smart because they like dressed that way and acted that way. Yeah, I just looked to try yeah, to see true. if they were like in a cult, but it doesn't really say. It just says he was like a religious preacher, but just reminded me of that. So the cult leader Joseph, sorry, cult expert Joseph, believes that Tina and Harold may have actually willingly given up Holly. He said the simple answer is that the group convinced them to give up the kid. They espouse celibacy as a rule like monks and nuns. Attachments to the world and to your family and things outside the group were considered sinful. He said you have to give it up for the Lord. If you don't love Jesus more than your mother and father, you're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. They'd use words like, quote, your work is for the Lord, and then you'd give up the child. So back to the story. The cult's leader, Lightning Amen, was up until his death living in a ranch in California. The house is registered to a non-profit organization called Christ Family Pure Righteousness. Among those registered as living at the address is a woman named Chris Miller, who's 67 years old. She calls herself a wealth strategist. She was the president of the nonprofit according to its tax filings from the 2000s, and they state that the aim of the nonprofit is to, quote, promote the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. A 2009 tax filing says, the men and women in this group touch thousands of lives by sharing the love and truth of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. So despite her being a wealth strategist, <laughs> only three people are currently apparently living in the compound. Their names are Gary Christ, John Christ, and Chris Miller. So Gary Christ spoke to the media and he told them that he'd never heard of Tina and Harold. There are lots of stories online from people who have had encounters with Christ's family. One said, I was moved to the desert, bathed in the river and begged for food when I was three. I have very vivid memories of those days, living with rattlesnakes and wearing white robes. I was eventually sent to live with my uncle and was separated from my parents while they were, quote, on the road to enlightenment. My father never recovered. He threw his life away as a lie, on a lie, it ruined our life and they did nothing but take and use our family. There's another online forum where a user called Bare Feet wrote in 2020, Lightning Amen was a douchebag who abused the <laughs> brothers and sisters who blindly followed him. He abused them by his hypocrisy and he abused many women and children. Another user called Paolo wrote a comment um, in 2021 and he said, where was the love? He preached no sex, yet he fornicated with lots of the so-called sisters. There were so-called brothers and sisters having sex and babies too. What happens to all those babies that were caught, that were born? The fraud of the man who called himself Lightning Amen was a white trash racist woman abusing, and then it's blocked out, whatever the rest he said. So, yeah, I would be interested to know what happened to all these children. It seems like if they had 2,000 people at one point, where is everyone? Yeah, unless it was like a lie. So baby Holly had no identity about no idea about her true identity until June 2022. Authorities called her on her father's birthday to tell her the news and she met her birth family on a Zoom call that day. That would blow your mind. Imagine just living your life probably knowing you're Having adopted no and idea. actually finding out the actual circumstances surrounding your adoption. Crazy. So Donna, who we mentioned earlier, is Holly's grandmother, and she said it was a birthday present from heaven and that they had prayed for more than 40 years for answers. Cheryl's Klaus, who is Holly's aunt, said, it was so exciting to see Holly. I was so happy to meet her for the first time. It's such a blessing to be reassured that she's all right and she had a good life. The whole family slept well last night. So there is a discrepancy in this case that I wanted to point out because I know someone else will message us and tell us. <laughs> some, some reports say that the sister Susan call that we spoke about at the start of this story was actually made by a man. 
the forensic genealogist Alison Peacock said, the man presented himself as law enforcement who had found the car. He was very cagey and presented himself as some kind of authority. He said, I'll see if I can find someone to bring it to you. And then he supposedly found these women. These women. Holly's grandmother, Donna, kept this guy's phone number and spoke to him on the phone. She was grilling him and at one point he said, look, lady, there's a lot of desert between California and Florida. You're never going to find him. I guess over the years the stories probably, you know, changed a little bit, which is maybe why there's this discrepancy about Sister Susan being man or woman or whatever. So it doesn't really matter in the end to the story, but I just kind of wanted to add it in just in case anyone is like, hey, I didn't, I've heard different to that. So yeah. Um, so that is about it for baby Holly. It's good that there was at least one good outcome for, you know, baby Holly. She found that she has a family who was waiting for her. Very sad what happened to her family, but her parents. It's nice that she like still had a good like upbringing and normal life for the most part, it seems like she got adapted into a good family, but I still just have so many questions. I feel like we'll never know what actually happened to the parents. Like why were they murdered? What happened? Like were they really like involved in this cult? Yeah. I don't think we'll ever know either. I was just looking to make sure there's nothing else and there's been a few articles, but nothing that really has any more answers or any more information than what we've already spoken about. Yeah. So there is one theory about what happened to Holly's parents and it said, my belief is that the classes decided they didn't want to continue with the group. They may have witnessed illegal activities involving the group's drug trafficking. So at that point they disappeared, but they were murdered. And I don't think there's any way to separate those murders from Christ's family. Is that what happened to the other 2,000 people? Yeah. <laughs> might all be out there in the desert, just never been found. Apparently. Apparently in the desert, you really can't find people. Daniel Robinson's still missing. Yeah, exactly. They ha- there also has been a Dean and Tina Lynn Class Memorial Fund set up, which su- um, supports law enforcement, genetic genealogy, genealogy, so many words, <laughs> genetic genealogy investigations. So they're that's they're trying to raise money to kind of identify more John and Jane Doe's. I'm always because I've done ancestry, but like to be part of what law enforcement uses, you have to take your DNA from ancestry and and upload it to GEDmatch, which is what they were saying they used. Because that's like law enforcement doesn't really use like Ancestry or 23andMe. They can only use GEDmatch because you have to like give the permission to, for it to be used. And I always think about doing it. But then I'm not even a conspiracy theorist, but just, you know, how like everyone's crazy. Like you're just going to like upload your, your DNA. Like, and I'm always like, <laughs> I can help solve crimes, maybe. And I'm like, what else are they going to use it for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like it's, like yeah. it's literally my DNA. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm always like, oh, I want to like help people solve cases. Maybe I will. I just haven't gotten around to it. You should do it. You should do it. Might be interesting. Might be an interesting upload. <laughs> I know that'd be a good episode if, like, I was connected to something. <laughs> it's like that guy. Isn't that how they found the Golden State Killer by mm-hmm. his nephew or something? Uploaded his, yeah, you know, DNA, and, and they found it. And that they way. use that for mostly harmless too. It's yeah. If anyone's interest, it's Jed Match G E D Match. Yeah. Um. All right, well, that's it with those that's stories. That's it for Baby Holly. It's a crazy story with a very unexpected outcome. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since we've actually had an episode with any updates because we obviously did our big double update episode. But and then the all the updates weeks, happened. <laughs> so the first one that we're going to speak about today is the arrest of Caitlin Armstrong, and she was or is the suspect in the Mariah Wilson murder. And the second one that we'll speak about is the arrest of Alex Murdoch. For Alec Heath Murdoch. Murdoch. Alec, oh my God, how could I forget? <laughs> Alec, I was so focused on saying Murdoch and not Murd, whatever, however I said it. It might wrong. be Alec. Alexander, but it's still Alec somehow. <laughs> and the, the people will let you know. 
<laughs> the arrest of Alec in regards to the murder of his wife and chi- wife and son. So the first one is about Caitlin. If you haven't aren't familiar with her kind of case, there was that only happened in May this year. She allegedly murdered a woman named Mariah Wilson, who had been having a kind of affair with Caitlin's um, partner Colin. As it sounds very confusing, which we spoke about. Anyway, go back and listen. We've got the blog too, if you're not aware of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. But basically on June 29, Caitlin was arrested in Costa Rica. She had fled the US and had been in Costa Rica since May. She was arrested at a hostel um, and that she was charged then with felony first degree murder. We've learned a little bit more about kind of a little bit about how she was arrested and what had happened. Um, that after she fled Austin, she went to Newark International Airport and she boarded a flight to San Jose in Costa Rica using a fraudulent passport. Deputy U.S. Marshal Brandon Filler said that Caitlin presented a passport that did not belong to her but belonged to someone that was closely associated with her and that I don't think he has ever confirmed it but generally the consensus is that the passport belonged to her sister Christine. Mm-hmm. They look very similar and that, yeah, so I would like to hear more about this, which that it hasn't been released yet, but did Christine know that Caitlin had the passport? Did she give it to her? Yeah. I suspect Caitlin's family we're in on this yeah I think her so. dad I, I think we said in the episode that her dad had spoken to her maybe four or five days after she went missing I I suspect that the sister knew she had the passport if you know and if she didn't give it to her I would be surprised yeah Why like else how else would, would she have, have her it? sister's passport yeah so we've learned that upon arriving in Costa Rica, Caitlin used several different aliases, including the name Beth Martin. She went to various, you know, hostels to stay and also yoga studios. The Deputy Marshal Brandon Feeler said she was really trying to build something up where she could instruct yoga there in Costa Rica. So I don't know how they maybe they followed the Christine passport kind of trail, but they went door to door and tracked Caitlin from yoga establishment to other yoga establishments. <laughs> so she was leaving a bit of a trail for herself. When they arrested her, there was a six-hour drive to take her into custody, and they said that that was where she eventually confessed to her true identity. Caitlin had changed the way she looked, so she did have quite distinctive red long hair when she went on the run, but she cut it and dyed it dark brown she cut it to her shoulders and she also had a bandage on her nose if you look at the photos of Caitlin like kind of the photo that they released when she went missing compared to the photo when she was found she does look very different I suspect she probably had some type of plastic surgery it looks like she had a nose job because that can like change her whole face and like I think maybe she had her nose maybe shaved and some other people said she had her nostrils pinned Mm. just to change her nose and then the other thing that's been kind of discussed is maybe she had work done on her chin it might it might just be the photo but i wouldn't it does look different her chin does look different her yeah. whole face they looks asked different. they asked brandon filler the u.s marshal about plastic surgery and he said he was unable to confirm it he said i will say she had a bandage on her nose with a little bit of discoloration under her eyes her statement was that it came from a surfboard incident and i think we'll just leave it as that <sighs> Um, so she did have, I don't know, I can't remember what, where we got up to in the episode, but we did learn too, that she sold her Jeep, I think for around Mm $12,000 before she went on the run. So that was where a lot of this cash came from. Yeah. Um, the deputy marshal also said that they're investigating the fraudulent passport and won't be commenting further on the, at this time on any assistance that she may have had. I saw, um, they said she, I don't know if we, I don't think we said this, but she bought like 
before she left, she went to Walmart and bought like a prepaid debit card and a burner phone. Mm-hmm. And that Colin got like an alert about it for some reason. Like, I, I think guess that their was accounts a- are like connected. That only came out in the last few days. So I'm pretty sure we didn't mention that. Yeah. So that's also kind of a lot of people have asked if Colin was lying because he knew about this, but we don't know. He might have told the authorities about that. We, yeah, I think that's something they're trying to figure out too. Public. Um, so that's about it. There hasn't really been anything else. Caitlin is back in America, I believe. They were talking about a bond amount for her. I don't know if she's made the bond yet, um, or if she will make it. But as far as we know, she's still in custody as of the time of recording. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too that's been a little bit of an update today is that Colin has been back on social media. Oh yeah, he's updated, updated his. Instagram bio and it now says I used to ride bikes so you know people are speculating if he's going to give it up now you know do something else very dramatic yeah we spoke about how he'd lost a lot of his sponsorship in the episode so maybe that kind of contributed to it I said to you my theory is maybe he will do something else for a while and make a quote comeback yeah you know just to kind of take the heat off him because a lot of people have you know, so that he played a role in this, which he did. I bet he lost his Red Bull sponsorship. That was his big one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a very interesting update in that one. All right. The last update is about Alec Murdoch. So he was finally officially indicted on the charges of murder for his wife and son so officially it was two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime if you don't remember maggie murdoch 52 was the wife and the son paul who was 22 they were found dead near their outdoor dog kennel houses on their hunting lodge not their home their separate hunting lodge in South Carolina on June 7th, 2021. And this is a big one. Everyone's always been suspicious of Alec. You know, it's always the husband, but he didn't even really do um, that good of a job of acting like it wasn't him. (laughs) He just did so much and he did a bad job at everything. (laughs) Honestly, like I can give like the brief description of this, but if you haven't listened to this case, go listen to our episodes on it. I'm also hearing that Discovery Plus has a really good like documentary on it, people were saying. Um, oh, I'll find the the name of it. I'm pretty sure it's just called something like the Murdoch, Murder, Murdoch Murders. Um, just some other info also that we haven't talked about on the podcast like specifically that has come out. Paul, the son, he was shot twice with a shotgun, once in the head and once in the chest, while Maggie had been shot multiple times with an assault rifle. So I remember... May have talked about this because I remember saying it was like two different guns that were used to try to like throw people off, and that their killings they were consistent with like execution style killings. According to several sources, Paul's body was found partially inside one of the dog kennels, while the mother's was several feet away, leading investigators to believe that she ran from her killer before being gunned down. And at least two of the gunshot wounds are believed to have been inflicted while she was on the ground. If you don't remember, he's also he's already in jail because he's in jail for fraud and all this other stuff with his law firm. He stole like millions of dollars from his clients in the law firm. So there's just a ton of stuff going on here. There's like three other deaths, four other deaths, three other deaths connected to them. There's Gloria, Stephen, who was the teenager. Is there another one we're forgetting? I think that might be it. The boat girl. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, yes. Mad. He he didn't actually, but still, like, can... kill. Yeah, he's involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, her. I feel bad calling her the boat girl. Beach is her last name. Mallory. Mallory. 
Mallory Beach is the other one. And I was reading like some articles about today and people are saying like, even though her death like wasn't a crime and was an accident, even though it was the son's fault, they feel like that yeah. might have opened this up because there was a wrongful death lawsuit going on, which um, the because of the lawsuit, they needed more information about their finances and stuff. And that's kind of when all the shady shit started coming out. Um, yeah. So it kind of seems like she was like the catalyst or like the Pandora's the box gateway. to it all. But yeah, they're looking into the other two deaths as well. And then this I read in an article, it's from sources and it's a little confusing, but I'll read it anyways. Um, it says, it's been speculated that audio and video data gleaned from Paul's cell phone that was found by his body, Paul's the son again, that was only recently unlocked by law enforcement is kind of what prompted this like dramatic turn all of a sudden finally. And it says an independent local news website, Fitz News, has reported that not only does this audio and video data show Alex speaking with Maggie, but that, quote, high velocity impact spatter of blood found on his clothing that night places him at the scene of the murders when at least one of the victims was killed. It's a little confusing and it's not like confirmed or anything, but that's like what is being reported from sources, apparently. It's crazy. I just, I still, just the, I'm speechless, but it just blows my mind what he did. He killed his wife, his son, he's killed maybe all these other people, all this fraud. Hired a hitman he, to kill yeah, himself. To try and <laughs> Failed at that. It's crazy. It's just, I'm not, I'm absolutely not surprised. I, I, I wouldn't have thought maybe that he would be the one to actually kill Maggie and the son. That's I what I'm wondering. thought that maybe he would have hired someone else, but it sounds like he, did it or was someone else there like i can't decide yeah, if they're saying I, like he did it or like he hired someone or it sounds like i also wonder how like surely if he used two different guns like yeah it, I, I know I, i'm just confused like if he used two different guns maybe that explains why maggie ran away maybe he killed paul first um maggie tried to run away and then he picked up the other gun and shot her because you would think it would take a little bit of time to kill two people with two different guns yeah especially um, like if they're, it just seems Not. hard to do. Like, I still think he did it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, but I just imagine him, like, rolling up with two f- guns on them and the dog kennels. I guess, like, I guess, you know, and I'm just obviously running through all scenarios in my mind. Maybe he got Paul there first, killed Paul, and then maybe he's like, oh, Maggie, come see, oh, come yeah. see, and he got her there that way. Like, I, I would be, I would find it harder to believe that they were both, both just standing the there. Time. Yeah, that yeah. So, like, I, you know, I guess there are ways it could have happened. I just want to know more about well, what happened. Well, the way it says from, like, the stuff from the sources, it seems like Paul was killed first because his phone yeah. picked up them talking or, like, maybe, like, blood on his shirt or something. So it yeah. seems like he died first and then, like you said, he must have lured her over. And let me just say, these dog kennels are, like, nicer than my apartment. <laughs> I've seen so many comments on the Instagram today. They're like, why do they have outdoor? Why do they have these dog kennels? And, you know, it makes sense, more sense now that you've reminded me that it was their hunting lodge. I'm sure they had hunting dogs yeah. that they probably kept in there. Yeah, yeah they're it's- very nice. We posted the pictures. They're online if you want to see them. Um, yeah. They're like wood and like each one has their own little like room. <laughs> it's like, why the dog kennels? <laughs> There is one other little update in terms of Alec is that he has finally been disbarred as well. On um, Tuesday, July 12th, the state Supreme Court disbarred him from the practice of law in South Carolina, which I'm actually surprised it took this long. Yeah, and their law firm, um, it used to be like all the names and remember the initials were like PMPD and we're like, it basically says pimped. (laughs) Now it's just like 
the two P names are like the same last name, like Parker or something. Now it's just like the Parker group. One um, other interesting thing too is that his attorneys are pushing for a speedy trial. They want to have a trial within thirty, uh, within 60 days. They want the attorney general to turn over all evidence within 30 days and then for the trial to be held within 60 days of that. So I wonder if that will change once they actually get the evidence. Um, I wonder why they're so hell-bent on this speedy trial. Yeah, I was like, like I it's kind of a weird. Mm. So anyway, I wonder how Buster's doing. <laughs> He's spared. Yeah, I want, yeah, I'm still, I would just really, really would love to know more about what was happening in this family. Yeah. I think we spoke about in the episode how Maggie maybe was looking to get a divorce and she was kind yeah. of starting to dig in the finances. That's what I was reading about today because they were apparently – you know, according to the sources, the gossip that like she had written like because she was a big charity person. She like wrote a check for some charity event and the check bounced. So she's kind of started questioning what was going on. And then on top of the Mallory Beach lawsuit, more people were questioning about the finances. And I guess there's also rumors he was having an affair with another attorney and just that everything was just like a mess, basically, and that she had apparently been talking to like a divorce attorney and was like looking into possibly getting like a, a forensic accountant again this is all yeah, just like what the sources where it all gone. are saying but the new it's in news articles so i'm not just like being like oh internet people say <laughs> so yeah i hope <laughs> that um buster i know that this must be as much as we've kind of poked fun at buster in the past it must be horrible like finding this out having your dad kill your family you're the only one left and like the survivor's guilt of why are you the only one left but i do hope one day he does like some sort of tell-all but i doubt it i feel like we've only ever made really fun of his name like i don't i don't know what he's like and that stupid outfit he wore to the wedding (laughs) but um like you know i do feel for him imagine I can't even imagine. Like he's not very old. He must be early twenties, no. I think, if that. So, you know, imagine your whole family's gone. Basically. This. And his whole life would be gone. Like all the money's gone, everything's gone. So, it's um, yeah, it's a lot for him to have to deal with now by himself, essentially. Just thinking about it makes me sick. Yeah. When you spoke about before about how he was already in jail, there's a summary. He's already facing a total of eighty-four criminal charges and eleven civil suits. Ugh. And he's on a $7 million bond that he hasn't been able to make. So, nightmare. <sighs> All right. Well, that was a it. long episode, it feels like. <laughs> long so, welcome back episode. An hour 40 we've been going for. So, I hope that everyone is pleased since we <sighs> abandoned you last week. Oh, um, we're back. Back better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. Um, <laughs> But that's it. As always, check out the blog. Everything will be on there. The pictures of the luxurious dog kennels and everything else. <laughs> um, TrueCrimeSocietyBlog.com. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, do that. Leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram. True Crime Society. Our personal accounts are uh, TCS Olivia, Steph Sum underscore, and they're linked in the TCS Instagram bio, so easy to find them. Um, and most importantly, share the podcast with your friends. Tell them about this great new podcast you've been listening to and get them to listen to it too and get them to tell their friends. Check our sponsors. If any of them seem interesting to you, use our codes. Big help to us. Uh, can't recommend them enough. That's really it. That's it. Same shit, different week. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week. 
and the week after that, and the week after that. <laughs> We're never going away. <laughs> Hopefully. That, that, the fate is in your guys' hand. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Peace out. Good to be back. Yeah.